You're listening to a Cairns FM 89.1 produced podcast. You're listening to the Rotary Club Hour. Here at Cairns FM 89.1. Welcome to the Rotary Club Hour. I'm your host, Pascal. I'm here with Margaret Miltonovic. How are you? Hi. Good morning, everyone. Uh, we're also here with Cole Craig of Rotary Cairns West, I believe. Good morning, everyone. And Graham Coe of Rotary Cairns Sunrise. Good morning. Uh, Margaret, what are we talking about today? We've got. I know you've got a special interview coming up later, uh, but do you want to start with... Rotary seven areas of focus. What is that all about? Yes. Well, I thought that um, in order for our, view, uh, our audience to better understand what Rotary is all about and how we get involved in the community, we can start with something broader that we as Rotarians live by, um, but might not be as familiar to our audience. So I'll just pass it on to Graham and Cole to talk a little bit more about what the seven areas of focus are and how they guide our decisions within Rotary, both locally and on the international level. Yeah. Well, the uh, the Rotary Foundation is, is Rotary's uh, a fundraising arm in some ways, and uh, from that uh, foundation we do lots of good work around the world. And um, uh, Cole, um, you know, perhaps you can uh, to start off and tell us some of the uh, those particular um, areas of focus of the foundation. Thanks. Thanks, Graham. So the seven areas are peace building and conflict resolution, disease prevention and treatment, water, sanitation and hygiene, maternal and child health, basic education and literacy, community economic development, and the seventh, protecting the environment. So Cole, from what I understand, these seven areas of focus, these, whenever you do a project within your club, you need to tie them in with one or more of these areas, is that correct? That's the preferred method. The, the, it's a worldwide focus, these seven areas, and the, the, the general intent is that everything we do should fall into one of those areas of focus. All right, fantastic. So what's an example of a, um, a project that you've done in your club? Uh, our club has been involved in a water project in East Timor. Uh, it was a district project. Uh, and one of our members went to East Timor. Uh, it was a, a particular remote village. Uh, the school and various uh, buildings in the village had no running water. So the project was to uh, pipe water from a creek. I think the creek was one or two kilometres away. Uh, and so Rotarians from across the district, and I think there were some from across Australia, attended this particular event. Uh, and so their job was to connect the pipes, dig the holes, and, and run it up or down to the town. Uh, it actually took, as I recall, several uh, trips uh, because the logistics in uh, East Timor at that time, and probably may still be the same, uh, wasn't suitable enough to get the materials from the port up to the village in a, a suitable time. Uh, but it, it, it got stitched together over, I think it was two or three separate teams going up, and the village now has running water. Wow, that's fantastic. That's a great example. Graham, what about your club? What, what's an area of focus that you've been able to tie a project into? Um, well, there's lots of things that we've been involved in and um, uh, we do try and uh, do things that are within those areas of focus. Uh, Cole just mentioned the uh, water sanitation hygiene and 
and there's a member of our club, uh, Brian. Brian, yes, uh, Brian White, um, who's a good friend of mine. I know, <laughs> but uh, Brian has been to India and been involved in check dams. Uh, he's been up there a number of times, uh, and only this this year too. Uh, to build a check dam. Brian is now 80 years of age, but uh, he's still very involved in uh, projects uh, uh, overseas and uh, um, building these dams in, in India. They're small dams for a village, yeah. and uh, they, it helps them to irrigate their crops. Mm. So in the big scheme of things, it's a small project, but making a huge difference to the, yeah. to the communities oh. over there. Absolutely, right. Um, Margaret, before we get to you, I know you've got many projects on the go with your club. Uh, we'll go to a quick song and some messages and we'll come right back. And then we'll talk about your interview that's coming up as well. This is Lantano, Somewhere Highway. Stick around for more of the Rotary Club Hour. We're here for the hour. Somewhere I 
You're listening to the Rotary Club Hour. Here at Cairns FM 89.1. Oh, and welcome back to the Rotary Club Hour. Here at Cairns FM 89.1, I'm Barry Coe. Here with Margaret Milton of it, Cole Craig and Graham Coe. We are talking about Rotary and their seven areas of focus. And Margaret, um, tell us all about the projects that you have going for your club so we uh, usually as a club president we have the honor of being able to set our own legacy and nominate a project and during our president elect year which is a year before we serve as a president we have opportunity to research and look at the different needs the projects that i have nominated for the international scale is um, humanitarian project in ukraine for the children and for the domestic project it's homelessness in cairns Wow, fantastic. So that does tie directly into the seven areas of focus. Tell us about the Ukraine project. What's that involve? Uh, Look, the project uh, had initially um, evolved from going back to the 24th of February 2022. It was my daughter's second birthday when the war in Ukraine began. And we had to turn off the TV because on all the channels, it was a constant reporting on Ukraine. And that's not suitable theme for a two-year-old's birthday party yeah um after her birthday i spent all week i didn't get any sleep um i was deeply concerned about that situation i'm originally from poland the border is right across i have some distant relatives that are in ukraine i the whole week i couldn't sleep i was constantly staying updated worried that you know if they did take over ukraine in three um, days the next thing is poland and the impact it has on europe and the family there But the feeling inside was real hopelessness. Like I wanted to do something, but I didn't know anyone or how or what to do about it. So we just recently had Rotary International Conference back in um, May of this year. And during the Rotary International Conference, one of our breakout sessions was actually on Ukraine and updates there. I attended that session and it gave me opportunity to meet Rotarians from the club Cherkasy in Ukraine and Rotarians from Club Kerkiv, as well as John Huko, who is the um, CEO of Rotary International. And that allowed me not only to get an update as to the current situation, what their needs are, what are they looking for in terms of support, but the most valuable thing was getting trusted contacts on the ground, because as much as you want to do something, you want to make sure that the money is managed correctly, that goes to the right people that are going to do the right thing. And for people that actually understand on the ground assessment of what is going on and what are the top priorities, not what we imagine here from you know 3,000 whatever kilometers it is yeah. away, but what actually people there on the ground, what the current ex- experiences are. So th- when I was able to develop those contacts and get the information on what their priorities are, that inspired me to take that on as our second major project for this year, because I knew at that point in time, we can do it. We have all the resources and all the ducks aligned to make it happen. Yeah, and your particular focus with Ukraine is the children. The children. And look, there is a lot of, there's more need than there is resources. But the reason I chose to focus on the children, because they are the real victims in that whole situation. They are innocent. They don't have any control over that situation. Yet that's the generation that is going to be growing up that will be left in charge of rebuilding Ukraine after the war. And if they're physically disabled, if they um, traumatized, if they are dealing with their own mental issues, they will not be in the position to be able to rebuild their own country. 
So yeah. I'm looking at it more on the long term to look after the generation that is then going to restore um, Ukraine post-war. Yeah, it'll be a, an issue that faces them for many generations. That's right. It doesn't recover overnight. No. So we focused specifically on three things. Uh, we spoke, we focused on providing the medical kits for the children. We have focused on the trauma rehabilitation camps as well as safety schools for the children in Ukraine. That's our three key elements of supporting the children in Ukraine. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that you spoke to people from Ukrainian Rotary, Rotary Clubs, you know, like um, you think it's, it's just a country across the other side of the world, but you do have a lot in common. You know, they have Rotary Clubs just like we have Rotary Clubs. They have people that are looking out for their community. And they're very active with trying to support as many people on the ground as possible. They just need the other Rotarians and everybody else to, you know, get behind them and help them. Yeah. So as they're identifying the needs, they can get the support that they need and they can get it in a timely manner. Absolutely. Um, now, you've done an interview with someone very special. Um, did you want to play that now? Did you want to introduce it? Uh Yes, before I introduce Dr. Lara, I just wanted to mention what we've already achieved in terms of our project sure. in Ukraine, uh, if you don't mind. So our board has already approved two sets of um, medical kits being sent to Ukraine. We had the first set going out in July and the second one has been recently approved. And I just got confirmation this morning from Dr. Ohav in um Club Kharkiv that they started distributing the second lot. Wow. We've also um, provided $3,000 towards the trauma rehabilitation camps during the July and August school holiday uh, break. That's the school holiday break in Europe. And as of yesterday, we have been successful in obtaining 25,000 US dollars from Rotary International um, Ukraine Emergency Relief for our project on safety schools. And the safety schools project, that amount of money means 16 schools and 20,000 of Ukrainian children will benefit from that grant that we were able to secure for them. So I was absolutely <laughs> overwhelmed with joy when I got the news yesterday because that is a huge difference that we can make You know, in the last um, five months since, since my presidency. So I'm re very happy with that. So there must be an amazing feeling seeing it come to fruition, not just, you know, when you start out on a project, you're like, oh, I don't know where this is going to lead. But And, you know, the amazing feeling is that if I look back to February 2022, when I spent that whole week going through sleepless nights and feeling helpless, wanting to do something but couldn't, yeah. and finally, you know, a, a year and a half later have been able to get the resources through the Rotary and get the right people and the channels involved to be able to make real meaningful difference in the lives of those children. And that's a, just a great example of how Rotary, how getting involved in Rotary yeah. can help people achieve so much more in their areas of passion. In their um, So if there's somebody out there listening now and they want to help, what, what can they do? Well, we have some fundraisers coming up um, next year as well. At the moment, they can get in touch with our club uh, as to how they can get involved in supporting those projects further. So they can go to our club's website on kensunrise.com.au.org.au. I'm so sorry. I, I don't visit our club's website. <laughs> go to the it's, Facebook page. is probably easier. The look Facebook it. page. Yeah. And um, yes, and absolutely. Rotary Cairns Sunrise. So just get involved. Um, we have a lot of projects outside of Ukraine going on as well. But if you do want to support Ukraine, that's one way. And another way... Um, 
uh, when we get to the interview with Dr. Lara in a minute, she also has a project going on and she's recently actually come back from Ukraine from her humanitarian travels, which we're going to hear more about. And you can also help directly through getting involved uh, through her humanitarian travels and being able to support uh, the Ukraine. Fantastic. The website is rotarycansunrise.org.au. Thank you, Barry. <laughs> That's it. No problems. <laughs> um, okay, well, look, let's let's get to the interview with Dr. Lara. Do you want to give a little bit of an intro? Yes, absolutely. So Dr. Lara is not a Rotarian. She is um, a local uh, from Atherton Tablelands. And similar to myself, she saw what was happening in Ukraine and decided that she wants to do something about it to support them. So her background, she's a, a GP, a belief pediatrician, and she decided to set up her own organization called um, Only Passing Through. And she does the humanitarian travel. Ukraine is one of three of the areas she has focused on. She's just been, she's just returned from Ukraine recently, so we wanted to talk to her more about it. And she's very passionate about building the awareness and support um, for the Ukraine. We, we can't forget about them because they still need the support. The war is still going on. Yeah, absolutely. So this is a pre-recorded interview uh, that Margaret did with Dr. Lara this week? Or That's right. Yeah, so it, it is very current. Um, it goes for about 20 minutes, but I was listening to it yesterday. It'll go quickly because the content is, is so great. You've done really well, Margaret. So let's get to that interview. We'll be right back after that with more of the Rotary Club Hour. Um, please stick around. Hi, so I'm here with Dr. Lara and we are talking about Ukraine and current situation there. Um, hi, Lara, how are you today? Yeah, great. Thanks for having me, Margaret. Yeah, not a problem. Thanks for coming um, to our show. I wanted to start to ask you if you can tell our audience a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I'm a doctor that works in far north Queensland. I live on the Atherton Tablelands, but I mostly work uh, fly and fly out in remote Indigenous communities, and I've been doing that for uh, a number of decades. Wow. And uh, but I'm also... I'm sorry. No, you <laughs> go ahead. Sorry about that. No, sorry. Uh, no, I was just going to say, it's also... Um, uh, so I also uh, am heavily involved in running a charity uh, that does some charitable work uh, across um, some of those remote communities and also for Bangladesh and for Ukraine. Wonderful. And what got you interested in the humanitarian work in Ukraine? So I've always had an interest in what's going on in Ukraine because I was uh, raised for some of my life by my Ukrainian grandfather who was very passionate about the fight for Ukrainian independence and freedom. So I grew up learning a lot about Ukrainian history and culture and had a real understanding of that. So of course, uh, when the war broke out, I was watching things very carefully and became uh, really aware of the great needs there and you know the things that were going on. So have you ever visited Ukraine prior to the war breaking out there? Sadly, no. I <laughs> uh, probably always wanted to, but never made, made the effort until the war came. Right. And then when did you go to visit Ukraine? So I was in Ukraine with my colleague in July and August of this year, 2023. Okay. And which regions did you visit? So I got to re visit quite a lot of regions. Um, obviously, I didn't go right 
deep into the front lines. Uh, it was too dangerous. But uh, I did get to go to areas where there were definitely um, daily air raid sirens, uh, where I could hear, you know, missile strikes and Shahed drones being mm -hmm. shot down. Um, and I got to visit quite a few of the deoccupied villages. So I was able to go to... Um, uh, Lviv and Ushgorod in the west, and Ivana Frankivsk a little bit further over, then further east to Krivirivi, and then from there went out to some of the deoccupied de villages in Kherson region. Uh, I was in Odessa, um, which has been quite badly hit by missile strikes lately, uh, and in Kiev, um, which of course is almost constantly under attack. Right. So, so you've had an opportunity to visit a number of sites, quite an extensive. Um, area in Ukraine. Can yeah, you can you describe the situation there to our audience that might not be um, aware or as close to the Ukraine as you or I might be? Sure. So, look, there's really a mix of, um, uh, I guess, impressions that I had in that. You know, of course, they're, they're going through war and it's really, really a very desperate situation. So there are millions of internally displaced people, people who fled from the war. I was able to interview a lot of those. Um, so, you know, there were, um, you know, just people uh, filling every available accommodation um, and more and mattresses on the floor and so forth. Um, there were, you know, soldiers coming and going. I mean, I was traveling around the country um, by buses and trains and every train and bus station I went to, you know, there were uh, injured soldiers getting off without limbs, without arms and legs, right. but there were soldiers also going back again, you know, tearful hugs goodbye with mm. wives and children and, and parents. And, um, uh, you know, so people were really uh, aware of what's going, what was going on, even in the areas that perhaps weren't so affected. Um, you know, hospitals were overflowing. Um, the, you know, deoccupied villages that I went to, you know, some of them were barely something you could even call a village anymore. So, it's, you know, just piles of rubble and every house in the village was either destroyed or damaged. Um, you know, the, the fields were full of landmines. There were vast areas that were um, no longer able to be irrigated because of the dam that had been blown up. Uh, and, you know, there were people that sort of had gone back into those situations and, and you know, had gone home, even though it still wasn't safe and there was still constant shelling. Um, so, you know, really desperate situation. But then, you know, on the other hand, I also saw some, like, really wonderful, amazing things. Um, there's still parts of Ukraine that are incredibly beautiful. Um, but, you know, the people were amazing. You know, there's so much... Uh, unity in the country at the moment. There's so many people just working hard to step up and, and contribute to the war effort or to help the internally displaced people or the refugees, um, you know, digging into their own pockets. And, you know, just the the bravery and the, the courage and the determination uh, amongst the people was very inspiring. It's, it's definitely some of that has been seen through the media and some of it I have... Um, personally experienced through our close work with the Rotary Clubs there, with the club, um, Rotary Club in Cherkasy and Rotary Club in Kharkiv. Our focus yeah. um, through Rotary has been predominantly on the children of Ukraine because we see them as the future um, in terms of rebuilding Ukraine post-war. 
And so we've, uh, we personally have focused on a lot of efforts around their medic medical needs and safety schools and trauma rehabilitation camps. From your perspective of being in Ukraine, have you had much contact in terms of dealing with children or witnessing children's day-to-day -day, uh, living conditions at the moment? Yeah, so I actually went over with um, a, a paediatric um, a professor, who my colleague, so he's uh, a paediatric professor at uh, Western Sydney University. And so our um, focus really was uh, initially on uh, the impact of the war on children, although we did end up branching out. So yes, we got to see, see a lot of that. We got to um, meet a lot of children, see a lot of children. Uh, we, we were able to interview a lot of individuals and NGOs that are working with children. And um, so, uh, you know, we really, really got to get a, a good feel for that. And certainly, you know, talking to, um, you know, mothers who were telling us about their children who were waking up screaming at night um, or, you know, every time they heard a noise, they'd run to the, even though they're in a safe place now, they'd run to the window and go, Mummy, is the bombing starting again? It's or quite traumatic, um, isn't it? You know, have... Yeah, so really, really traumatised kids. But we also saw, again, like some really great, you know, Ukrainian people and organisations working with kids, whether it was, um, you know, organisations that were doing therapy with refugee kids, organisations like Save Ukraine, who actually um, do a lot of rehabilitation, but also are involved in the, um, you know, attempted rescues of the abducted children. And we also... Um, uh, went to Voices of Children, who do a lot of psychological support for refugee children, and, uh, you know, volunteers who we met who are working with um, children that are in state institutions and orphans. Mm. Um, and, you know, there, there's great needs there too because a lot of those institutions had to be evacuated from the war uh, zones and then, um, you know, there was often not many places for them to go than in the West. So... Um, you know, there's just so much flow on impact and of course the hosp children's hospitals um, are now overflowing because of the, uh, the internally displaced people so the needs are really great there. Um, we saw some really great work being done and then you know I, I actually went on a kids camp with some volunteers that we've connected with uh, who were going out to the deoccupied villages and running you know um, holiday programs and um, just doing things for the kids bringing them food and medical supplies um, and you know they were there providing some joy and sunshine to these kids but it wasn't easy conditions so we had to sleep on the floor of the school which was like full of shelling marks and the school bus out the back had a rocket through it. There was no water. We couldn't have showers because the dam had been bombed. None of the people in the village had water. Wow. Um, and every one of those kids that came to our program, you know, had had a house that had been bombed and um, and it was ongoing. So we had to park our car under the trees so that the Russian drone, drones wouldn't spot it and target it. Um, at night we'd hear... Um, uh, Shahid drones um, going overhead and um, being shot down and during the day there were explosions and um, but yet these volunteers were going out there and, and working with these poor kids that were still going through all of this. It's it's great to see so many people um, get behind and support Ukraine. Um, you know the, the effort that goes in cannot be underestimated. A lot of the times 
when we have internal conversations here with fellow Rotarians or even when I talk to people around Cairns and Atherton, you know, and people go, so what's the priority? What's the priority? From where I'm sitting, I always say, well, you know, the needs are actually greater than resources available. And there is just so much. Like I get so many requests through um, WhatsApp messages coming from Ukraine, whether it's from ultra, for ultrasound machines, medical kits, but particular medicine, Ukraine, um, equipment and it's also in terms of demining and even diving equipment which i've recently found out how ridiculously you know expensive it is for something that is critical for them to do so um, in terms of the effort that your organization has put it seems like you've done a lot of groundwork uh, to to do i guess a thorough community assessment what has your organization done so far in terms of supporting the Ukraine? So I guess I want to stress that, you know, really our organization is just working in the background to raise some funds and awareness and support the people on the ground. And through my work with Indigenous communities, that's something that I've, you know, really learned and become passionate about is it's really important to support the people on the ground that know what they're doing. It's their community. Uh, you know, make sure that you, you connect with the ones that have the capacity and and just support them, even if it means you don't get all the, you know, the glory or the, you know, the um, the, the kudos. Um, I think it's important for, uh, you know, efficiency and effectiveness. And I think that you can make your dollar go much further and you can achieve a lot more than if you're just sort of giving it to a big organisation that has to sort of fly people from all over the place to come in and do the work. So really all we're doing is, is trying to get you know money and support and awareness um, uh, going for these like great organisations that we met in Ukraine. And as you say, like doing the groundwork for us was really like more like a reconnaissance mission, like working out not only what the needs were, but at the end of the day, it's people on the ground, the Ukrainians who know what the needs are. But mm. but working out who are the people we can trust, who are the people who are transparent, who are efficient, who are accountable, who are passionate, who are you know that um, at the end of the day they're going to give the biggest bang for buck for Ukraine for any dollar that we can send over. So, you know, that I think is the key to what we do is that we have connected with Ukrainian organisations that may not necessarily, they've got the capacity on the ground because they're working with their people and and have all those connections, but may not have the... um, you know, as much capacity to sort of connect with people in the West or to, you know, raise awareness uh, to English speakers or to, you know, get um, do international funds transfers and things like that. And and having that tax deductibility status, it also means Australians can give to us, get a tax deduction and know that their money goes straight to Ukraine. Um, and particularly because we don't charge administration fees, we, we do all the work um, as volunteers and, and cover our own costs, including our bookkeeping and everything so we make sure you know every cent gets to ukraine that's wonderful it's absolutely wonderful to hear and it's it's great that you were able to go there and build those relationships with people because during um war times it's not unusual for some individuals to exploit the situation and so being so being based in australia so far away from ukraine uh there was some concerns that were raised you know, when when we're raising funds and we're raising awareness for Ukraine, there are some concerns raised yeah. around. You know, how do you know? How can you guarantee that the money is going to the right hands and it's actually yeah. truly going yeah. for the cause that 
uh, you're telling us that's actually going to those children, actually yeah. going for those medical needs. So it's great that you have that yeah. reassurance and you've built those relationships on the ground. So in terms of our audience, anyone listening right now, if they want to support your organization, what would be the best way for them to do that? How can they get in touch with you and how can they offer their support? Yep. So we have a website. It's www.passingthrough.net. So P-A-S-S-I-N-G-T-H-R-O-U-G-H.net. And uh, we're also on uh, the social media. So um, Facebook and Instagram is only passing through, but T-H-R-U. Um, so people can contact us through there. Uh, it's very small volunteer-run organisation, like I said. So it's very personal. If you if you reach out through there, it'll be probably me or someone else that you're talking to. It will definitely won't be a chatbot. Um, I can answer questions, and in fact, I really encourage people uh, if they want to give and have a particular you know, desire for um, to support a particular branch of work. If you have a particular area you want it to go to, we can we can do that because we're, you know, just working straight with people on the ground. So um, rather than just going to a big pool, I mean, you can do that as well. But if you have a particular thing that you would like it to go to, we can help you with that. Um, the other thing we're trying to do is encourage people to just think about, you know, uh, like we recognise that times are tough for a lot of people, like financially, uh, you know, big giving might be difficult and they may already be giving elsewhere, but feel passionate about wanting to help during this, you know, like really historically difficult time. And so we're trying to get people to think about, you know, what's just that one little thing you could give up, um, you know, once a week. And we're, we're talking about, you know, swap tips for support or trade treats for relief. So think about one little drink you have a week. It might be a takeaway coffee. It might be a soft drink can. It might be a cocktail. Uh, depends on your budget, I guess. Um, you know, it might be the chocolate bar you grab at the cafe once a week or something. But if just one little thing that you'd be willing to give up, just to be able to help the people in Ukraine. And if you can set that up as a regular giving thing, um, that can make a world of difference. Because I know sometimes people are embarrassed. They think, well, if I'm only giving $5 a week, that doesn't make a difference or it looks stingy. But absolutely not. And the Ukrainians tell me that. They can make that $5 go very far. And if it's a regular thing, it gives them stability uh, in what they're doing. So that is incredibly helpful so if you get onto our website you can um, set up a regular giving and doesn't matter how small it is if it's regular and ongoing it's so helpful and useful um, and if you can't do that and you can only do a one-off that's also awesome and every little bit is appreciated absolutely i think you've made a really great point there lara a lot of the times people feel like maybe they're not in a financial capacity to help or that couple of dollars won't make a difference. But if you think about our population in Cairns alone, is about 160,000 people, you know. Uh, the last statistics I looked at, and if every one of these people was to just give up on a coffee once a week for $5, that's that makes a huge difference uh, to the support that we're offering to Ukraine. And even though that there is government support, both from Australia and, and US, those funds are directed differently, uh, they're not going, obviously, to the individuals. They're going to the military support. And also the need is much greater than resources. The situation is continuing. It's not, you know, it, it's not that the war is over. I know media, we're not getting a lot of media attention right now because of the conflict elsewhere in, in Middle East. But even though we're not getting the media attention, there is the constant 
bombings. There's a constant crisis going on and there's a constant need for supplies and for that assistance. So I really, um, I really appreciate you making that point across. And just before we end our interview, I know you're very passionate about raising the awareness for the situation in Ukraine, and so am I. So is there a last final message that you want to give to our audience? Anything that you want to say before we finish off? Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, many years ago, I went and visited um, Auschwitz, which was the um, Nazi concentration camp in Poland. Mm. And... I remember looking in the museum at some of the stories about things that had gotten out. I looked out at the fields and I saw where the gas chambers would have and the crematoriums would have been belting out the smoke and the people that were living around. And I was hit with this realisation that people, there would have been people that knew what was going on, but they didn't speak up. And we didn't, uh, as a society, um, you know, do enough to put a stop to things. And I really think we are at a pivotal time in history like that and that the Ukrainians are not just fighting some little regional conflict. You know, people might say, what has this got to do with us? But they are fighting tooth and nail, not only for their own survival and their own freedom, but for principles of democracy. I mean, you know, Putin is a bully who's gotten away too many times with uh, just breaking all the international rules, um, all the things that we have relied on for the last 70 years to keep us, you know, a relatively stable global and relatively safe so um, you know when we look we might say well what about all the other conflicts and so many of them are related and it's not coincidental that other things are starting to get worse so Ukraine is standing up to the bullies and it has global implications and the least we can do is stand with them absolutely I couldn't um, agree with you more so that website is www.passingthrough.net and you can learn more about Dr. Lara and the work that she's doing in Ukraine and elsewhere. And you can also um, donate to this wonderful cause. Thank you, Dr. Lara. Very much. You're listening to the Rotary Club Hour here at Cairns FM 89.1. Welcome back to the Rotary Club Hour. If you've just joined us, you just missed the interview with uh, Margaret and Dr. Lara talking about the situation in Ukraine. Margaret, I must say um, that was absolutely fantastic. Um, well Thank done. You. Thank you. Um, when I come up with a concept for this show and pitched it to the club, I, I didn't expect these sort of stories to be coming out, but um, it's quite inspiring to see people from our community um, helping to do major things to help people in real conflict zones. It's amazing. Um, and it's good to know Dr. Lara is a local as well from, from Atherton Tablelands, did you say? Absolutely, oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. A lot more local stories coming out with some inspiring people in our community. Fantastic. We've got about 12 minutes left of the show. Graham, you want to talk about um, some events and projects coming up? Uh, yeah, one in particular is uh, the uh, this coming Thursday, the uh, 30th of November, uh, we've actually got a Rotary uh, fundraiser movie night and uh, that's on at uh, Cairns Central at 6.30. The movie is um, The Old Oak, uh, which is a new release and uh, it's about a community in, uh, in England and uh, it's to do with uh, a 
you know, um, new people moving into that area and some of the uh, prejudices and problems they have. But um, And it fits in a way with uh, the peace building and uh, conflict resolution. Um, yeah, I believe it's situation. about Syrian refugees moving mm, into a yes, small yeah. English town. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I saw the preview for this one. It looks quite interesting. I was mm. saying on the last show that I did that... Um, the movie nights that the Rotary Clubs put on are quite interesting because they're films that you probably normally wouldn't even hear about or, or go to see. So I think That's it's... That's right. How do people get tickets for this? Yes, well, um, they could go uh, onto our uh, website, um, which is uh, rotarycansunrise.org.au. And, uh, That's it. of course, through... Uh, <laughs> also, we're, we're on Facebook and so on. Uh, and uh, tickets are $25 each. And, uh, of course, some of that money is uh, going um, towards one of our major projects, which is to end polio in the world. And uh, uh, that's what the movie, uh, well, the actual fundraiser is for, to go towards ending polio. An absolutely worthy cause that we did Mm. talk about a few weeks back on the show as well with Mm. uh, Suzanne Ray. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Now, the Rotary Club Markets... Are coming up? Are we talking about that or are we going to Cole? Cole, have you got something to say? Uh, thank you, Barry. Uh, Rotary Club of Cairns West, uh, we do our fundraising through catering and have done for 25 years. You have the, um, the caravan or the trailer? The, the Rotary Burger Van, yep. The Burger Van. Uh, we built that ourselves uh, 25 years ago and it's still holding together 25 so years later. Physically built by Rotarians? Physi- physically like, built ourselves. We, wow. we, we also all learnt lots of skills uh, and it's worked very, very well. Uh, so our next catering event is the uh, Joy to the World Cairns Christmas Carols. So these first started in 2020, our big COVID year, when everything else was shut down. But by about this time, the Cairns Christian Ministers Network decided, uh, and there were some freedoms allowed allowed by the state government, uh, and they decided they wanted to do a carols because the council wasn't doing its Christmas carols. So we get involved very early with that, and it was a huge success. There was, I think, over 3,000 people that year because it was the first big thing in Cairns that was on where the community could attend. There were all sorts of COVID rules, but we all got through that, and I don't think anyone caught COVID because at that stage, COVID wasn't in the Queensland environment. So four years later, the next one is next, next week, 2nd of December, uh, you can buy, get tickets to go. Uh, it's actually free, but they want you to book the tickets so they've got a record of who's coming. I, th- it's, I believe it's on try booking. Uh, it uh, starts at 5 o'clock, uh, goes through till about 8. Uh, we'll have our burger van there. We'll be doing all our usual fare. Uh, in fact, we'll have our snow cone machine there. Our snow cone machine's a bit of fun, so it's going to be there. Uh, and uh, this year, the club has been a financial supporter of the of the carols because it likely wasn't going to happen this year and we thought it was a good enough community event that we contributed a couple of thousand dollars to help them put the event on which was very very happy with that so uh, try booking uh, next saturday 2nd of december come and join in so yeah if you're listening to the show on repeat next saturday on the 2nd of december it's happening tonight yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at the showgrounds at the showgrounds don't miss out it's amazing how popular um carols are yep. still with the community like people just come out in droves for them correct the, yeah. ca- the council are doing their own one again they started that last year uh at munro park uh but they're trying to get different food there so we we don't go to that one we did for 22 years in uh, down the esplanade um, but that stopped during COVID and has now restarted. But, but this is at the showgrounds uh, and it's a great environment, lots of fun. 
Now, Carl, as a Rotarian, how would you rate yourself as a burger chef? There were times, because I was involved in booking the van, uh, building the van, there were times that I wouldn't let anyone else touch the hot plate. Oh, wow. Okay. There, there was one of the early shows where I cooked every steak, and there were no complaints. So it's all good. Wow, there you go. There you go. Fantastic. Margaret? Yes, and um, our regular event of Palm Cove Markets is coming up on the 3rd of December. It's our last one for the year. Uh, we are running a major Christmas raffle worth of $2,000 worth of prices. Ooh. You can, and it's going to be drawn actually at the Palm Cove Markets on the 3rd of December. Uh, we were selling a ticket at the last Palm Cove Markets. You can also buy the tickets online um, and you can also buy the raffle tickets on the day. So you, if you go to Palm Cove Markets Facebook page, there is a QR code that you can scan in order to be able to buy the tickets. All right, excellent. Um, if anyone hasn't been to these Palm Cove markets and you like markets, you should get out there, definitely. So it's the first Sunday of every month? That's right. It's the first Sunday of every month. The only storeholders are small local businesses that you're purchasing from. It's run 100% by the volunteers from Rotary Cairns Sunrise. And we... Um, we don't collect the profits from what's sold on the day. We make the money through uh, leasing out the actual boots, the, the, the space, that's right. So all profits that we collect then go back to the community projects. Yeah, and uh, so what sort of things are on sale there? What can you pick up? Well, the, uh, there's a number of local artists. You can pick up some canvas painting. There is some beautiful um, items made up from wood, uh, woodwork items, so different artistic things. I've seen a number of producers that make local gems and spices. Um, there's a, one uh, of the guys on the stand that does the hot sauces, <laughs> and they have a various degrees of oh, how, how much you dip. Horn. <laughs> that's hey, hey, that's yeah. right. I love those hey. sauces. We've got that locally made um, creams, balms, stuff like that, but also a lot of food stalls. So what you're doing is supporting the local small businesses as well by coming in. It's great time to buy Christmas presents, by the way. If you haven't done that yet and you want something that is original, either for your family members based here or you're having family reunion with people from overseas or interstate, you know, coming over, great opportunity to get a unique items made um, locally here. Christmas gifts. Absolutely. This is the last markets before Christmas. Absolutely. You Unique Christmas gifts. Get in. <laughs> Go get it. You have to get in. Okay. Um, what else have we got coming up for Rotary? Well, um, as we're focusing at the moment on our major projects, our second major project that we're focusing on locally is the homelessness in Cairns. Yes. And next fortnight, uh, we're dedicating actually the entire show to discuss the, the cost of living and the housing issue here in Cairns and how we came about getting involved. We also have a very special guest, uh, Yolande, who's the CEO of the Wheels of Wellness that we have um, partnered with to address the issue. She'll come and give us, um, we'll have an interview with her on the day to discuss this further. Yeah, so that'll be the 9th of December, our next show. That's right. Yeah, so for those listening, today's show is live. Um, next week it'll be repeated on the 2nd of December. We'll have Christmas carols that night on the 2nd of December at the showgrounds and the Pub Cove Markets on the Sunday. Sunday that's right. Yeah, so if you're listening to this on repeat on the 2nd of December, um, stuff is happening. You need to get down the markets and get your um, Christmas gifts for everybody. Um, look, we've only got a few minutes left, so if there's anything left to discuss, Margaret, otherwise we can go to a song and wrap up the show. Um, I, think I just, before we uh, break, I just 
I know from talking to the local community members, there's two common themes that come up when we're talking about supporting these various causes. One yeah. is current cost of living and people struggling to make ends meet. So the willingness is there. They want to help, but they financially just don't know how they can. Um, if you can't help financially, we're always looking for volunteers, hands-on. Get in touch with one of our clubs, Ken's West, Ken's Sunrise, or the other three that we've got in the area. We need volunteers. It doesn't take any money, just your time. And the second um, common concern I get from people when we talk about these major issues is the feeling of overwhelm, that there are so many causes. You know, you have the heart is in the right place. You want to help everybody else, but there's just too much and you don't know where to start. Yeah. And the thing is that you can start small. You can do one baby step at a time, one thing at a time today. Individual person cannot change the world, but together we can make a difference. And you can come, you can support financially or through your time. Or maybe you've got skills or resources in the area, or maybe you've got contacts with people that might be able to support um, the various causes that are going on. So don't think that you can't make a difference and don't think that it's always about money. Everyone in any way can come and give us a helping hand to make the world a better place. Yeah, and the reward at the end of it, the feeling that you get doing something to help your community, help the community around the world is just... It's worthwhile. Absolutely. Mm. And just it's priceless. Absolutely. So, so come and get involved. There's plenty of different ways that you can help to make a positive difference in the world. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, thank you everybody for listening to the Rotary Club Hour. I think it's been a fantastic show, Margaret. You did an absolutely stellar job with the interview with Dr. Lara there. Thank, thank you. you, Cole Craig, for coming in. Um, all the best with the Christmas carols, and I hope you join us again on the show soon. Um, Thanks, it's Barry. Been, it's been a delight having you here, and thank you, Graham Coe. You've done a good job too. Thank, thanks, Barry. <laughs> and, uh, thanks for letting us promote our movie night. And yeah, Thursday. the movie. Oh, sorry, I forgot the movie night's coming up Thursday. So yeah. get to the movie night, get to the carols, and get to the markets. Everyone's so much going on happening. coming up. All right, thanks, Barry. Uh, uh, thank you for listening, Kansas FM eighty nine point one. The uh, Yarning Circle is up next. Um, we'll just go to a quick bit of a song, and uh, we'll talk to you all again on the 9th of December. I got my head down and my boots tied up. I got my head down and my boots tied up. I got my head down and my boots tied up. I got my head down and my boots tied up. Got me feeling so good. Ooh, it's so close now. I'm warming up the ceiling. Got me feeling so fine. Ooh, it's so close now. I'm warm oh, all the time. Before now, you said it again. I wanna say it back, but you don't need to hear it. When you look me in the eye, sends a shiver through my feet, sends a tickle down my spine. Got me feeling so good. You've been listening to a Cans FM 89.1 produced podcast. For more information, visit cansfm891.org.au.